On today's episode of Our Self Love Stories, we have a commercial photographer based out of Las Vegas, Nevada, United States of America, Tiffany. Tiffany Neal, how have you been? Um, I've been doing well. How how have you been? I've been good. Thank you for asking. Full disclosure, everyone, Tiffany and I know each other from our teen years. From my recollection, you were a very shy young girl who I see now is very confident, loves who she is, and is very outspoken from what you post online um, and your perspective and even, even your boundaries. Like you will set boundaries for people who follow you online. And I think that has a lot to do with self-love. And that's why I decided to reach out to you because I want to know more about your journey from that shy girl that I thought was. You could have felt a different way about yourself when you were younger. We could talk about that. Um, But thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, I know. Thank you for inviting me. It's funny because I still kind of feel like I am that shy person. Um, uh, I mean, definitely in person, it takes a while for me to warm up to to get to that point where like I'm being as outspoken as I am on my social media. And I, I feel like social media has let me be kind of like express who I am in, inside somewhere where, I, you know, I can articulate myself and in a way that I guess people are drawn towards. I, I don't know. It's relatable. I think it's beautiful. Like I said earlier, you being able to draw boundaries for people. I think you were talking about you're defending a decision or a perspective your family had. And you were just like, if you don't agree with it, then that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Like I talk a lot about like my, uh, my Christianity and my faith on my social media. And I've been kind of in the process of sort of dismantling what I know and like, um, and sort of deconstructing my faith because I spent a number of years as a worship team leader. And then when I moved out here to Las Vegas, I had to kind of essentially leave my home church. And when I left, I kind of felt like, okay, when I get to Las Vegas, I'm going to find a new church. I'm going to find a new community and meet like Christian peers and like that are my own age is the church that I went to. I, I love them. They're like, you know, they're still my, like, you know, they're still my church family. But the average age was 65. Can't really relate. You could appreciate and gain a lot of knowledge, <laughs> wisdom. Absolutely. And I love but but you know, that's not where I was going to land a Christian husband or, or anything. <laughs> of course not. You know. Yeah. So, um, so when, I came, when I came out here, um, it was very hard to find a church that kind of hit some of the criteria that I was wanting. Churches out here tend to be very political and they tend to kind of draw lines where I'm not comfortable draw, drawing lines, I guess. Like they, you know, they have very strict rules. They like, they even have rules about like whether or not you can participate um, in a certain way or like have like um, roles in leadership. I mean, I was, you know, I was the head of the worship team. I was a member of the board. So to come from that and to like join these, these churches where maybe like women aren't allowed to be on the board. So I kind of struggled there for a bit and I would talk about it in my stories and, you know, just kind of like where, of like where I was at the time. And at first I was very kind of like, this is where I am right now. And like, and if you don't agree with me right now, then you're wrong. And then after a while, I just, you know, I just kind of started realizing that that, like, that was a very aggressive approach. And like, and if I was looking at that from the outside in, I probably would be looking at me going like, like, you know, like you're there now, but I'm right here. So you got to meet me halfway somehow, or like, you know, or, or like maybe tone it down a little bit. So while I was, you know, posting all of this stuff, there were like these 
people that I used to go to church with that were kind of like climbing into my mentions and telling me, you used to be a worship leader, so maybe you shouldn't be saying these things. And then on the not so kind side, they're, you know, straight up calling me a heretic. And then to the point, like they were even like coming after like my family and like, you know, just trying to like pick apart like different pieces. You know, members of my family are kind of like on a, on this on this path too, because they haven't really been to church either. And we, and, you know, we used to go to church every Sunday. My dad was a minister. Like, you know, I grew, I grew up and I was steeped in it. There was someone that kept coming into my mentions and like, you know, and telling, you know, and being really aggressive about how, like what I should be saying and what I should be doing and how I should repent and how I should like have like this come to Jesus moment. And I was like, I don't need to come to Jesus because I never left Jesus and Jesus never left me. So, so for you to tell me that, that I'm losing my salvation because I'm saying these things is, is A, the audacity, <laughs> and B, who are you to say these things? And it's basically the antithesis of like what we were taught in church, you know? It's like, I actually recently told my friend, because there was this, there's this TikToker who posted, um, oh, I'm trying to remember, she said something like, you're not talking negatively about them, you are stating facts. You are not giving them a bad reputation. They're giving themselves a bad reputation for their actions. And my friend sent it to me. He's like, you know, I'm not being judgmental right now. And I said, maybe you are, you know, and um, he said, no, I'm just stating facts. And then I responded with that can be very toxic. And, And I quoted the Bible don't remember exactly where it's from. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. And at the end of the day, it's like, we all are sinners. We've all, we all have our flaws. It's about being able to see that people are more than what we see of them, are more than like, you know, what they post on social media, what we get out of one conversation with them. There's more to it. It's deeper than that. And yeah, maybe people are unpleasant. It's not to justify people being rude or spreading hatred, but there's a lot of deep-rooted issues that a lot of people just haven't really come to terms with. So I get why you would feel a little like, hey, like, who are you to tell me and my family what I should and shouldn't do or what we should and shouldn't do? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, my first reaction is to be like, like, get away from me right now. I'm just going to, I'm just going to block you and not deal, have to deal with you. But then there was like this part of me that was just kind of like, if I do that, then the conversation is closed. And then maybe I can't reach this person. And maybe there's a reason why this person is reaching out to me right now. And maybe I need to dig deeper. I appreciate what you're saying, but the way you're talking to me right now is very toxic. And frankly, it's abusive. And you know, like I would never come to you and tell you how you need to talk to your parents, tell you how you need to talk to your family, simply because I don't agree with you. And you are not the gatekeeper of my salvation. So I'm going to need to ask you to back off or we can't talk anymore because you're not respecting me as a person just because you think I'm wrong. We all have our own opinions, our own perspectives, and it's important to set those boundaries with people. Have you always been that confident with setting boundaries? No, no. Yeah. And something like I've just kind of like been learning over the last couple of years, like I've been, you know, I've been seeing a therapist. I've struggled with like, you know, depression and anxiety basically my entire life as far as far as I can remember. And I wanted to be able to show up for myself and show up for other people and not have to feel like I was putting on a show. Yeah, like I wanted it to be genuine and not have to feel like 
feel like it was taking all of my energy to show up. You know, so when I first started going to therapy and then I started having to deal with people that weren't respecting of my boundaries, my first thought, you know, at first I'd be like, okay, you need to do this because I can't, (laughs) you know, you know, and then it was just like, well, what do you mean you can? And then it started that back and forth. And so I had to learn how to set those boundaries in a way where people recognize them and did and like weren't trying to like push back at them because I had because I had told them no. So it was more so like you had to learn how to communicate why you needed to set these boundaries, how it was making you feel. So that's why you need to kind of extricate yourself or distance yourself from people. Yeah, because I feel like as women and as as Asian women, you know, we're, we're kind of taught to be polite, to be submissive, to, you know, to be polite, even when it's painful, literally and figuratively. When I would go to the doctor before, and I wasn't comfortable with the doctor. Maybe they weren't listening or they weren't hearing me, but because I thought that, okay, this is a doctor, this is a person of authority, I thought that I should trust them, right? And then it wasn't until I got older and I real and you know, I started maybe seeing another doctor because that doctor was out of town. And then I saw this doctor and like, oh, like this one, this one's actually a lot cooler and actually listens to what I have to say and admits when they don't know something that's different. And I mean, you seeing a therapist, it's kind of the same way. Like sometimes you don't connect with a therapist or just people in general. Growing up, we gravitate towards certain people. And even if we gravitate towards them initially, what keeps us connected is much, much more than whatever gravitated us towards them typically, right? There's more to that, much like how it would be to choose a doctor or to choose a therapist. You know, it's, it's how you are choosing the people you allow in your life and how they serve you and you serve them. And so like boundaries has a lot to do with self-love. So I just want to know what, what does self-love mean to you? You know, looking out for myself and not feeling guilty for being selfish sometimes, because that's also something that's ingrained to us, right? Like, you know, you can't be selfish, you know, you have to share everything, you know, especially like if you grew up in a family where there's lots of kids it's so ingrained that, you know, being selfish and like, you know, taking time out for yourself is, is, is a bad thing to do because, you know, you're not thinking about the other people in your life. But if you don't take care of yourself and look out for yourself, you're always going to be disappointed when people don't show up for you. And people can't constantly show up for you. Yeah. And you, and you can't have the expectation that they're going to show up for you. Um, if you can't show up for yourself. Was that, um, kind of what influenced you, motivated you? Is that how you began your self-love journey when you started to realize I need to do this for myself because no one else is going to? Kind of. There's also, if you were to go on social media, you'd see a lot of people talking about like being a boss bitch and, you know, like, (laughs) and like, you know, on my grind and like Mm -hmm. this and that. I woke up like this and and, like, you gotta be super women and, you know, and like working till you cry because that's the grind. And, and, you know, then a few years later, everyone's exhausted. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Another thing to do with it really was because my oldest sister died about four years ago. And um, yeah, and so I started having to take care of, uh, of her oldest child, uh, my nephew. 
So I went from having no kids, you know, except for my dogs and my cat, <laughs> um, to taking care of a teenager. And it was a lot. It was exhausting. And, you know, and it would hurt sometimes to like, you know, I'd be, I'd be hanging out with people and they'd be telling me what a good job I was and how strong I was and, you know, and how awesome it was that I was taking care of my nephew. And it was just, and it, you know, and it kind of, I felt like I had like a little bit of imposter syndrome because it was just kind of like, but I don't feel strong. I don't like, I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm freaking out all the time. And I like, and I would be up nights, like freaking out. So that's really what was kind of like the impetus to start seeing a therapist. And the therapist kind of like basically let me know that it was okay to be freaking out and that no one really has it figured out. And I think like on some level, I knew that, you know, but I needed to hear somebody else say it and I needed to hear it from someone that I wasn't related to or wasn't friends with. It needed to be somebody that was objective because I was in so deep, I couldn't see from the outside in. That is not an easy thing. And considering we, we never had like a close friendship or anything, I can be very objective in telling you <laughs> that, that uh, you, you're a beautiful being. Tiffany. And I'm sure that your nephew appreciates you and um, your, your sister really appreciates you for, for, for stepping up and being someone who could support and guide and uh, just be there for her son. That's not easy. And from all the, the parents that I know, they always seem to say, you're never prepared. No, like you, yeah, like you could, the baby could be in your stomach for nine months. Um, but even when it comes out, you're still not prepared. No. So, so how did it feel when your therapist told you, you know, it's okay for you to feel this way? I guess it kind of felt like the pressure was taken off of me to kind of feel like I have no but, idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to try my best. So I was just kind of like going full tilt all the time. And uh, talking to the therapist helped me realize that, okay, like I don't need to go full tilt at this all the time. I need to acknowledge when I'm feeling overwhelmed and, um, and, you know, not feel like not feel guilty for asking for help. I mean, it didn't make it easier to take care of a teenager, but it did, you know, it did sort of equip me better and make me feel less, you know, less guilty for like taking time for myself so, so I could sort of recuperate so that I could get back into doing it. So it was really just like this pivotal moment for you to say, okay, I'm sinking, I'm sinking, I'm sinking. I need, I need help. And it's okay for me to ask for help, whether it's a therapist or someone to help with your nephew. Yeah. I mean, especially when I was also dealing with grief that I had kind of, you know, put on the back burner because I felt like I needed to show up and like not think about that so much. And in a way it was kind of hard when I acknowledged that and picked it back up, but I feel like I came out of that. Okay. When did it get to the point where you're like, okay, I need to see a therapist and I'm staying up all night and it's been, it's, oh, it's extremely overwhelming for me now. How long ago was that? Probably uh, that was about three and a half years ago. So it was about like six months in to, I was very overwhelmed. I was drowning. I was trying, uh, you know, I was trying really hard to kind of like balance this life of where like I'm taking care of a teenager, but also 
I'm, you know, I'm 33 and I'm single. So, so, so did you feel that your self-love journey was something that was necessary at the time? Yeah, it was, it was necessary because otherwise I was, you know, I was just going to lose myself in the things that I needed to do or thought that I needed to do. And in a way that you thought you needed to do. You know, I'd be talking to people around me and they just, they just keep telling me what a good job I was doing. It was either that or, you know, just, just be like, okay, but you have to do this because there's nobody else. It's like, all right, but I'm struggling. Okay, but you have to do this. So was it raising someone specifically, having someone depend on you? Were those your biggest challenges? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, you know, so when I sought out a therapist and then basically I just kind of like told my family doctor that I, um, you know, I asked for a referral to, um, to see someone, you know, and I fully expect that actually I'm not sure what I expected, but I didn't expect them to be like, what you need to do is you need to stop, take a breath and look out for yourself, you know, and they're like, what do you like to do? And I, you know, and I was like, well, I like to go on hikes. I like to go to the gym. I like to, you know, I like to do this and that. And they're like, okay, well, you know, take some time to do that. <laughs> do the things that you enjoy so that you don't spiral. Was it difficult for you to follow doctor's orders, your therapist's orders of doing the things that you enjoy? Was that a challenge for you? It was a mix of both, you know, because I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do these things, but also I still can't leave you alone because, you, you know, because you're 13 and and I don't know what you're going to get into when I'm not home. So you're going to come with me. So we're going to work out and we're going to go on hikes together. Yeah, that was pretty much what happened. You know, and at first, you know, he would gripe the whole way because, you know, kids, it doesn't matter what it looks like outside. If it's 25 degrees outside or if it's minus 30, they don't want to go outside. They want to be on the couch with their video games. And I sound like an old <laughs> saying this thing. That. <laughs> but, okay, Tita Tiffany. <laughs> yeah, I sound like a Tita auntie right now. I'd have to pry the phone or the switch from his hands and just be like, you know, we're going to do this and you're going to like it. And it's funny because I talk to him now um, because now he's living with my other sister. He's like, you know, like Auntie Nicole doesn't really like going on hikes. So I haven't <laughs> been out in a while. And you're like, don't you miss me? <laughs> I was like, see, the grass isn't always greener. Okay. No, I think that's, I think it's great. You know, being in touch with nature is definitely something that can heal us. Yeah. When it's nice, you know, I like to be out there as much as possible because the desert can be really beautiful. And I think it's so great that you did follow your therapist's orders and you did it in a way that was manageable for you. And you didn't make an excuse. It didn't sound like there was an excuse there. Of, well, I don't have anyone to take care of him. Okay, no, you are able body. You're going to go on this hike with me. It sounds as if it created um, a connection uh, between you and your nephew. Yeah, yeah. I know we've always been pretty, um, been pretty tight, like more so after my sister died. Um, you know, so I'm, so I'm grateful for that too, because like, because I love that kid a lot. <laughs> And I was going to ask, you know, self-love. And I know all my guests that I've reached out to, I share with them that I think it's necessary. Self-love is necessary for us to better work and um, improve on our relationships with others. It doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. Um, it could be familial, friendships, et cetera. So um, have you noticed a change in your relationships 
before and after you started to show up for yourself? Yeah, I'm def- I'm for sure. I mean, especially with like the pandemic exacerbating certain things and like not being able to, to see people as often or at all. Um, in some, in some cases, you know, it kind of made me, it kind of made me more aware of like who my friends are and, you know, who could kind of like be put aside, I guess, not because I don't love them anymore, but maybe we don't need to be in each other's lives at this point and it's okay. And I don't need to feel guilty about that. Yeah. I think you used the word guilty a few times ready since we started this episode. Where do you feel that pressure of being someone came from? There was that feeling like where you kind of just have to be nice all the time, even if you don't feel like being nice all the time. That I feel kind of sets in motion a lot of things. You know, earlier when you said that you are a minister's daughter, your your father was a minister, I could kind of relate because my, my Lola, my grandma, um, was a pastor. I grew up in the church, you know, and I grew up to a point where everyone was saying, you're going to be a pastor like your Lola? You're going to grow up to be a pastor, right? And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> it is such a calling. But when everyone kind of sets those expectations on us, especially when we come from a family of, of really beautiful people, very, very nice, very supportive, generous uh, givers and servers, it, it can feel a lot of pressure. I personally feel that way. I was wondering if that was ever something that you could yeah, there were, there was always kind of like this pressure to, you know, be like a nice, polite kid. And I definitely rebelled against that a little bit as I got older. I think that was the phase I knew you in. Yeah, definitely, you know, kind of like awkward and shy and stuff, but like also kind of a little bit over everything and also questioning everything. And then you get into my 20s and then I, then I had to be corporate. So then there was going back to that, like, you know, being nice and polite biting my tongue when somebody was being an obnoxious asshole. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like you have to fit into a box. All the different places in our lives will have conditioned us to feel like we need to fit in or, or do something a certain way. You right now as a commercial photographer, how does your week look like, basically, if you could describe it, an average week for you? Thankfully, right now with, with the pandemic, a lot of my work is at home on my computer. So a lot, a lot of my interactions with people are via email or via instant messaging. So I feel like in that way, because there's like less, like there's less face to face, I can be more direct in that way. That kind of falls into like how I am on social media because I'm taking the time to put my thoughts down. I can be a little bit more assertive and direct with people in person. I might be a little bit more awkward about it. You know, and I I used to almost want to apologize for it. And then I realized that like everyone to a certain extent is a little bit awkward, you know, and a little bit bumbling and weird in person and it's okay. And I don't need to apologize for myself anymore. I love it. I love that. You don't have to apologize for yourself anymore. You mentioned uh, expectations of women. We have been conditioned to apologize for everything. So you as a photographer, are you a freelance photographer? Do you have your own business? Are you working for a company? Yeah, I work for a studio now. And um, I've been doing that for the last four years. Yeah. Before I was doing that, I was doing, I was shooting weddings and that was freelance. Um, And I did that for almost a decade. That's a long time. Okay. So what do you shoot now? What's your subject? 
like I work with brands and, and stuff. I do a lot of like the stuff for like their social media marketing, stuff for like Instagram, um, IG stories, um, Facebook ads, a uh, little, bit, little bit of YouTube stuff, but most, mostly to do with Instagram. What got you to this place? I mean, after a decade of shooting nuptials, you know, and, and love and all that, what made you feel like, okay, it's time to step away from this and focus more on more marketing centered photography? I always loved what I was doing when I was shooting weddings. Like I was completely fine where I was like, right. I guess pretty much even right before I kind of stopped doing it. If you had told me I was going to do it for another five years, I would have been like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. But then when I started booking more commercial work and I started realizing like, oh, I have weekends off now. I have to book another wedding and I don't have to worry about it. Am I going to have time off during the summer? It was nice. So I started doing more of that. And then I just kind of realized that this is kind of like what I've been wanting to do for a long time. I just didn't realize it. And when you first start out doing weddings, you don't, I mean, at least for me, I didn't really think that that was going to be something I was going to be doing for a long time. I thought like, you know, this is just what I'm going to do to like pay my bills. But ultimately what I really want to do, you know, is maybe shoot bands and do more editorial stuff or, you know, like, you know, I have, you know, I had all of these ideas, but I kind of just wasn't sure what to do with all of them. And then weddings just became a a full-time gig and I was completely comfortable doing that. But like after I got out of it, it was like, well, that was a relief. I didn't know it was going to be early. Have you been um, able to kind of reflect back to what you stopped yourself from doing from being so immersed in wedding photography and revisited if that's something that you want to get back to doing or explore again, like the band editorials and whatnot? I mean, I feel like what I'm doing now, I kind of get to do that in a way. I, so, I mean, so if somebody, you know, comes to us because they want a bigger social media presence, you know, that's kind of like where I come in and get it done. So in a way I'm kind of doing what I wanted to be doing. Like I'm not going on tour with them. (laughs) I don't think at this stage in my life, I would want to, (laughs) maybe if I didn't have dogs. Well, you sound like you're in a place where you're, you're quite content and, and passionate about the things that you do about uh, your commercial photography and the marketing and everything behind it. What about it gets you motivated? I love getting to be creative in my field. Like with weddings, like you can be creative to an extent, but there's also a list of photos oh, that yeah. <laughs> the bride and groom want you to take mm-hmm. and you have to take those photos or you don't get paid. Mm-hmm. So I like where I get to be, you know, kind of like creative and people are listening to my ideas. That's what I love about it. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like you were 10 years in it while you did at the time feel like, yeah, another five years, let's do this. Like I'm, it sounded as if more you were comfortable with it. Uh, Yeah, I was comfortable with it. I knew the rules basically. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and I could kind of see what I was going to be doing month to month, sort of. So there wasn't so much pressure in the sense, like, you know, like work-wise, because I knew what I was going to be doing, you know, almost like a nine to five in that Mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like this, uh, you know, the the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Right? You were used to it. You knew what you had to do. So was it because you just continue getting more commercial work and you're realizing, oh, okay, you were able then to yeah. uh, weigh out the, the pros and cons? Yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of like, like I had my weekends. Mm-hmm. I'm not stuck at a computer putting, putting together wedding albums. I was able to see my friends. Like I was able to have a social life again. And then I was able to start thinking about dating. <laughs> oh, see that that's amazing. There was a lot that, you know, where you kept yourself for so long, you didn't realize you weren't able to, to do. 
yeah before like I would just kind of like almost make fun of people be like oh you like you you guys have to hang out on on Saturday and Sunday because, mm-hmm. because you have no choice but like I can be I can be here at this mm-hmm. bar on a Tuesday mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god okay yeah <laughs> because typically weddings and whatnot yeah it's yeah. gonna be on weekends for people got yeah. it that makes sense <laughs> I'm here on a Tuesday. Don't know where any of you are. There's, there's nobody here. I've got this winter all to myself. <laughs> the bar is empty just for me. Yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. So then that's great. You know, you were able to just to weigh it out and see that, okay, there was a lot that I was keeping myself from being able to yeah. focus more on. And you made a decision for yourself that you wanted to get your social life back. You wanted to start dating again. That was a conscious yep. decision. Yeah, pretty much because like I had two older sisters, you know, they got married young, had kids young, you know, so there was always kind of like that expectation, like, especially in a church where like a lot of the people are, you know, like a little bit bit older, a little bit more traditional walk through the front doors and they'd be like, we were praying for you to find a man. And it's like, really? Because I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. I don't think I've. No, no, no one's ever told me I've been praying for you to find a man, a good Christian man, like that I don't know how you know, I respond. You know, when somebody tells you that it's kind of like trying to tell someone when they catch you having a cigarette that you're not addicted, mm, mm-hmm. you know, where you're like, you're like, I don't have an addictive personality. Like, I don't really like these. This, like, this is just, I just found this. A lot of <laughs> and excuses. Just, yeah. You know, and they're just kind of looking at you like, sure you are. Mm-hmm. Sure. You don't want that cigarette. Mm-hmm. Sure, you don't have a, a pack in your, in your pocket right now, you know. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like that with with like saying that I wasn't really looking for to date anybody because mm-hmm. I really wasn't. Yeah, I was busy. I ain't got yeah. time. That kind of kind of wore on me for a little bit because even like you know people who I felt knew me and understood me would would kind of be like, "We're praying that you find someone, mm-hmm. you know, find someone," and it's just kind of like, "But that's not my prayer for me. So what are you doing to me?" Yeah. <laughs> Why are you praying for something I don't want to focus on yeah. right now? Yeah. Like right now I'm, I'm praying that like, that like I get my shit together and that I'm happy. Did you feel pressure when people would tell you that they were praying for a certain outcome yeah, of your life? Cause, yeah. Cause it was just kind of like, there was like, you know, this, this stubborn side of me that was just kind of like, you think that if I didn't want those things that I couldn't just go out there and get those get things. Yeah. I'm a good looking person. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm a smart girl. I'm talented. I'm, I'm a creative. Smart girl. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, so it's like, you don't think I could go out there and go get those things. Like, I'm not interested right now. And that's not me being coffee or like sour grapes about it. It's just facts. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. Filipina. So you definitely yeah. know the whole, you go to a family party and your titos and titas are like, Oh, why don't, why aren't you married? Where's your boyfriend? Are you going to have Bucket kids? Bucket girlfriend. Yes. Or, why don't yeah. you have a girlfriend? Exactly. Yeah. That's a whole other type of pressure too. Do you feel that you've always kind of had that outlook? Do yeah. you like, wait, no, I don't need that. Has that always yeah, been kind of Yeah, it was just of kind your... of like, I don't want to want those things until I want those things. <laughs> I mean, it's like even now that I'm in a relationship now for the past year, and now I'll like when I'm talking to people, they're like, oh, we prayed that you would find someone for so long and here he is. And it's just like, it's not, <laughs> you had nothing to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> don't take credit for what I'm building with someone, okay? It's when... like, and now you've ruined it. I'm going to have to call him and tell him to go away. <laughs> But I mean, I guess it just goes to show that there are people 
obviously who care about you, but don't entirely know what you want for yourself and when you want that. Yeah. And then there's also the whole thing where like there are certain things that they want in life and they want them really badly. And because they want them so badly, they can't imagine that other people don't want the same things just as badly. That's another kind of form of boundary that you are internalizing. So how do you go about when people, because I'm sure that some people can relate to that, to the congregation who will say, I'm praying for you for this, or the titos and titas who are saying, why don't you have a husband? How would you suggest to people who are hearing this constantly to go about it? There's a time where you kind of just nod your head and you, and then you go on to the next conversation. And then there's the, the other times, you know, when somebody was like, okay, now you've got a boyfriend, when are you guys getting married? And then you kind of just go like, well, when are you going casket shopping? Oh my God. You know, <laughs> you know, I saw a, a vase the other day mm-hmm. and I thought you would look really good in that. I'm sure that's something that you yeah. internalize and don't actually vocalize. <laughs> <laughs> to these people but it's a it's a, there's dark humor there that yeah. help you get through what these intrusive questions and intrusive people approach you with or like you know it's like oh like the wedding was last week I'm sorry you missed it it's because I didn't invite you <laughs> is that something that you would actually say or are you just joking around Tiffany it, it really depends on who it is, is <laughs> it it's okay <laughs> I mean, obviously I'm not going to say that. Well, I probably would say it to my grandma, but only because she knows me well enough or she'd be like, shut up. <laughs> but So your humor plays a lot yeah. into how you kind of manage these, again, intrusive people and intrusive questions. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when I was dating and, and guys would try to like ask me questions based entirely on, you know, who I look like, which is an Asian woman. Mm-hmm. And not want to scratch the surface and like, and, you know, and like ask me something, maybe like, like, where do you come from? It's like, well, I came from a uterus. <laughs> the sarcasm is real with you. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess I kind of had to because people have certain expectations and I don't. It was kind of like my way of sort of like deflecting that or guess, I guess like kind of turning their expectations on its head because yeah. kind of just kind of like, why do you want this for me? To the point where you're making me uncomfortable about it. Like, does it bother you that I live my life this way? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're very comfortable with being able to yeah. flip flip the switch and, and yeah. make them yeah. feel a little uncomfortable with their- Yeah, um, especially because I spent like most of my twenties being quiet about it and yeah. stewing about it later. Uh-huh. And now I'm like in my mid thirties and I'm just like, but I want to stew about this later. Yeah. <laughs> So part of your self-love is like setting those boundaries, but still also being unapologetically you, being being more outspoken. Yeah, because why do I have to apologize? I didn't do anything wrong. Yes, absolutely. I love it. So what are the self-care kind of routines and must-dos? You mentioned hiking earlier, but are there things you do on a daily to kind of keep you grounded or keep you in love with yourself? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... There are certain things that I do throughout the day, um, especially like, you know, with the pandemic where you really got a lot of time on your hands and, and you can either, you know, spend that time watching hours and hours of Netflix, which I have done. So, so (laughs) no judgment here, (laughs) no judgment, you know, no shame in it. Um, but towards the end of August, I bought myself a ukulele and I, you know, I'd always wanted to learn it, but like a few years ago, I brought one home from Hawaii and every time I tried to play a song on it, it would go out of tune. So I was like, I hate this. I'm just gonna put it on my mantle. 
Okay. So it became yeah. decoration. So it was a decoration. Then I was like, you know, scrolling through Instagram, I saw people like on their ukuleles and I was like, that's like, that looks like fun. Maybe I'll try again. Maybe I'll get a better one. Mm-hmm, <laughs> the one that mm-hmm. isn't a $15 toy from the, from the airport gift shop. Because <laughs> yeah. maybe that was the problem. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I bought one and I started watching tutorials on YouTube. And now for at least 15, 20 minutes a day, I set aside for my ukulele time. And that's oh. kind of like been like my meditation during the it. day. Yeah. Um, taking my dogs on walks is big. Um, I've also been trying to learn a new language. I've been learning Ukrainian on Duolingo. Wow. Because um, my, yeah, my boyfriend is Ukrainian. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, so you have good practice. Yeah. I don't practice with him because he would embarrass me. But (laughs) sometimes I practice with his mom. (laughs) Nice. Okay, that's good. Hey, I think that's awesome that you're able to learn a language because one, it's a great form of self-care, but two, it's a connector for you and your boyfriend and his mother. I've been on the other side, I guess, so to speak, for, you know, for the majority of my relationships where I was the one that was bilingual and like okay. could speak another language with my family and they were and you know and then my partner would be kind of in the dark mm-hmm. so you know now with my boyfriend the tables have kind of turned his family's Ukrainians and they all speak Ukrainian with each other and I'm sitting there at the table going huh? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. nodding nodding your head again yeah. <laughs> like yeah that sounds great more borscht okay <laughs> So you said you take your dogs out, you Mm. practice ukulele, and you're learning a language. What is your go-to song on the ukulele? I've been learning, been learning Summer Breeze. Can we get a taste of it? Oh, I I should, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Are you in tune? (laughs) For the very first time on Our Self Love Stories, our first musical performance by Tiffany Neal. Yeah, okay. I was like, I'm singing the right one. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad that you have those things in place for you to focus and and show yourself some self-love every day. Um, yeah. Before we end our episode, I did want to ask you, what are three things that you are grateful for and why? I'm grateful for my health, especially in the times like these. I'm grateful that I have my health. I'm grateful for for my family because I know a lot of people right now are, are separated from their families or you can't see them every day yeah. we might butt heads from time to time you know but I'm grateful that they're that they're around and that that I know that they're safe mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for for God because all things are possible with God and even though things have been tough this past year even when things seemed their bleakest I knew that God was always looking out for me 
and God is looking out for, for his entire family. That's what I'm grateful for, my health, um, my, my family, and God. I love it. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think it's always important for us to remember, you know, the things that we are grateful for and thankful for. And, and you know, a lot of it, every morning I do wake up. I wake up and I tell myself before I grab my phone, before I do anything, like, thank God for allowing me to wake up each day. And yeah, it's great that you um, included him in, in the three things you're grateful for. One question I meant to ask earlier was what is one thing that you do to get you really in like an amazing mood? I put on some music and make some coffee, you know, and I, you know, I might dance. Or, you know, I might sing along and just kind of pump myself up and get things going, set the tone for the day. What are your plans for the future? What can we expect of Tiffany Neal um, in the near future? And where can people follow you online or reach out to you? Hopefully, like as things start reopening again and like and more people get vaccinated, hopefully in the future, there's some traveling. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to um, is being able to see the world again and hopefully come back to the Philippines and Mm -hmm. so we could connect and you know we could check out all those vegan spots and uh, (laughs) maybe find a a volcano or a mountain to hike together I'm so down yeah yeah definitely (laughs) they can follow me on Instagram I'm there tneal on Instagram and and Twitter I have a TikTok my little nieces and nephews in the Philippines told me to download it but I still kind of feel like an old I completely agree. I feel old (laughs) on it too. But thank you so much, Tiffany. It was such a pleasure to connect with you, uh, get to know more of your story and your journey, and just wanted to send you love and positivity as you continue on your journey. And I know, I know that we will connect in person someday, and hopefully that someday is soon. But thank you again so much for guesting on this podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Margo. It's really cool to see you again. Yeah, you too. To all our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this particular episode. Again, you could check Tiffany out and see her amazing photos and catch up with her over at T Neal on Instagram and Twitter. You could check out this podcast again next week. So see you guys next time.